Good morning. It's a great blessing to be with you today, and I've been looking forward to this opportunity for, oh, nine months, maybe a year. I don't remember exactly uh, when uh, Clark had, had first contacted me, uh, but it's been nearly that long ago. And uh, truthfully, this has been the only appointment that I've had on my book in the, in the last nine months. Uh, at least that I've been able to keep. So um, I'm thankful that this one was not canceled. Um, so uh, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I hope that something that I have to share with you today will be a, a blessing to you. I hope that you will go away encouraged. I hope that your faith will be strengthened. And I hope that your love for Jesus will be stronger than it has ever been. As you can see by the slide, uh, the subject of my lesson this morning is the gospel of Christ. So good that everyone ought to hear. And yet, perhaps in an audience like this, most everyone has already heard it. Uh, perhaps we've heard it since the time we were little children. And maybe we've heard it over and over again. But I would submit to us that the gospel is such good news that it is worthy of hearing again and again and again. And we live in a world where the gospel, which to us is very well known, is not very well known. I remember almost 20 years ago now, I was walking through our apartment block in Mariupol, Ukraine, and there was uh, an old babushka who, who used to sit and, and hang out over her windowsill like this. And she'd be there every day. That was kind of her world. She, uh, she was at that time about 85 years old. Uh, her husband was in the next room and he was watching television and, and uh, that's the way she liked it. And her total access to the outside world was that window. And I would, I would walk by the window uh, of her apartment because where we were meeting as a, a small little church plant was in an apartment around the corner from hers. And I, I'd walk by and I would say to her, good morning, and she would say, what's good about it? Or I would try and greet her in some way and I would, I would try and carry on a conversation. And uh, I would always get these one-line retorts uh, back of, of how nothing was good. And, but I always made it a point to stop and, and talk to her. And uh, over time, she uh, began to accept, if you will, my advances. And uh, believe me, it, it, it wasn't... Uh, anything other than me taking the time to stand there and take her abuse. And I did this. The, the, 
few members of the congregation, uh, most of whom were older at the time, would say, Tim, stop wasting your time. You know, just move on. She's, that's just who she is. Uh, but I would not give up. <clears throat> and I, I kept uh, talking to her and, and just listening about her life and uh, how she had grown up in a, an abusive home and, and how when the Nazis had, had invaded Ukraine and how she had been carried off to, to Germany as a, a household servant and then how she had been brought uh, back to Ukraine and how she had worked in the, in the uh, steel factory and how she had got married and you know, the bad, how bad her marriage was and how awful her children were and just how, how badly life had treated her. And I listened. And I listened. And over many, many months of listening to her, um, I finally said to her, I would, I'd like to share some, some good news with you which she sort of chortled at and said, good news. There's, good no, there's no good news. Did Kuchma die? That was the president of Ukraine. And uh, I said, no, 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 Kuchma is, is still very much alive. Um, I said, I, I'd like to uh, talk to you about uh, the gospel. I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. She says, well, I, I know all about him. My, uh, my mother and my grandmother took me to the, to the Kram, to the, the Orthodox temple when I was a little girl, and they uh, sprinkled some water at me, and they uh, told me some stories uh, from the book, and uh, thank you very much. She said, I've, I found nothing good in it ever since. When my son died, I paid the priest, and he, he came over, and he burned the incense in the apartment, and, uh, and then he went out to the, the cemetery, and I gave him some more money, and he said a few words over my son, and we buried him. Same thing was true when my mother died. When we moved into this apartment and we wanted to have the blessings on the apartment, I paid the priest. And he came over and he said a prayer and he, he blessed the apartment. Everything, if you walk into, by the way, if you walked into a, a Russian Orthodox uh, church building, uh, there's usually a candle shop because you'd need to light candles and burn them, so you'd have to pay for the candles. And there are usually uh, little icons you could buy and, and little other things that you could purchase. And usually on the wall, there would be a, uh, a little sign which would say the going rates for various services by the priests. If you wanted him to bless your motorcycle, if you wanted him to bless your car, if you wanted him to come and do a, um, a, a funeral, if you wanted him to do a wedding, if you wanted him to absolve you of all of your sins, past and future, this is what it was going to cost. You know that was the most expensive one. So she had no room for any of that stuff. 
But I said the good news that I'm talking about is not about any of that. It's not about what you pay. It's about what somebody else has paid on your behalf. And it's the kind of news that doesn't just make you happy for a moment or for an hour, but can give you joy that lasts for an eternity. And I kept working with Zinaida, and I kept sharing with her and sharing with her months after months through that little window until finally I went into her apartment. And then we started looking into the Word of God. And I started sharing with her directly from the Word of God what it was that Jesus had to offer her. And finally, finally, she discovered that really what I had for her was good news. For her, it was good news that would impact a person's life and would cause them to want to come to Mariupol, Ukraine. And then so infect that person that they would stand outside of her window in bone-chilling cold and in the heat of the sun to be able to talk to her or just listen to her and then to share with her the love of God in eternity. And as I say that, there is nothing in the saying of it about me. Please understand that. It is all about the effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the life of one of his servants. And I remember the day when Zenaida said, my life has been nothing but anger and resentment and bitterness and sin. And I want it all to go away. And I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. And I remember all the arrangements that had to be made because she was not very mobile. But we managed to take care of all of that. And she was baptized for the remission of sins. And I continued to study and teach her.
until the day that she died a few months later. The difference in her from the day that I met her to the day that I took the scoop of dirt and said Sarsva Nubiesni over her grave, the difference in her was amazing. And it was all because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She wanted that gospel to even be heard by the, the husband that she had come to hate. She wanted that gospel to be heard by the daughter that she had driven away across town. She wanted the gospel to be heard by that neighbor upstairs that she knew, she just knew, made all those noises to spite her. Her demeanor changed, everything about her was different, all because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that you and I are so familiar with is yet the gospel that is earth-shattering in the hearts and the minds of those who have never heard. In the days of the apostles in the book of Acts, it says that they turned the world upside down with their teaching. And wherever the gospel goes today, it turns the world upside down in the life of those who will receive it and respond to it. And it has ever been so. And so I'd like for us for just a moment to consider the very first proclamation of that gospel sermon from Acts chapter 2. In verse 22, it says this. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, 
I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth that which you have both seen and heard. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Peter shared the good news on that day of Pentecost so long ago. And the gospel message has not changed over the years. And all I want to share with us at this moment is a brief survey of what it is all about so that we can understand its good news nature because of the effect that it has on our life, and I want us to understand what God wants the gospel to do for us and be within us. First of all, I want us to understand that the gospel of Christ... Next slide, please. is made up of facts. Now, we live in a world of facts, unless we were maybe born within the last 20 years, and then we were born in a world of narratives, where things are happened and simply pieced together, 
and they are made based upon my angle of view and your angle of view and someone else's angle of view and we have my truth and your truth and and we have everybody's truth and that's just the way it is but we know that's not right even though very often that's the way the world wants us to see things the world is very much made up of facts. For example, there are eight very fun facts about saliva. This comes from a dentist, and I'm not going to share the eight fun facts with you. Uh, unless you're a dentist, I don't think they're going to be very fun. But uh, those are facts, nonetheless, that impact what happens in our mouth, they actually occur. They have been proven to be so. COVID-19. Oh, you thought we would go at least an hour without mentioning it. Aren't we tired of hearing it at this point? 72 facts about covid Okay, I'm not going to share 72 facts about COVID. But isn't it interesting that you can take the same facts about COVID in Texas and we can decide that we're going to play college football and you can take the same 72 facts up in Ohio and the Big Ten decides that it's too dangerous to play football. Uh, very often it's a way that people interpret facts, isn't it? Or what they want to do with the facts. The facts are the facts. But what we decide to do with them often affects what's going to happen. Five facts about water scarcity. Water is important. Without water, we die. And so we have to understand where our water is going and if we are going to run out of water. Now that's real simple if I have a water bottle, isn't it? But if I'm dealing with the water basin for West Texas, that becomes a little bit more complicated. But the facts are still the same. We have to know what is going to affect the scarcity of our water. Next slide. There are facts to be believed about the gospel which are proven regarding history. And let's just bring those up at this point. Number one, as Peter has stated, that Christ was crucified for our sins. Number two, that Christ was raised from the dead. Number three, that Christ has been exalted as king and as our savior. And that Christ is coming again. All of these things Peter spoke about in the gospel and the New Testament writers have all confirmed. 
They are the elements of the good news that cause us to love our God. They are the things that cause us to say, I want to know him better. They are the things that say to us, no matter what happens in my life, this is someone that I want in my life. Because he was willing to leave the glory of heaven and take on human form and die for me. But the fact remains also that death cannot hold the child of God. And that is as good news for me as it was for the Son of Almighty God. And the good news is that just as Jesus was raised to the right hand of God, Jesus will one day return and he will raise us up with him and he will take us home to be with him at the Father's right hand. And that's the place where I want to be. We can talk all day long about what heaven might be like and we can talk all day long about what hell might be like. And Jesus has given us descriptors of both to consider. Here is my basic information. And this is what I come back to each and every moment. And it's real simple for me. Heaven is where Jesus is. And I want nothing more in this life or after this life than to be with my Jesus. And nothing could be more hell-like than to be cut off from him throughout all of eternity. And there's no news worse than that. So the good news is what Jesus has done for us. Whew. The gospel is also made up of commands, as Peter has related them. Our world is made up of commands also. We recognize that. We appreciate that. We rely upon that. Billions and billions of commands and lines of code. And why do we have those commands and lines of code? For them to be executed, right? For them to be obeyed. For them to be done. What happens if, if those codes, those commands, are not executed? Planes fall out of the sky. Our cars don't work. Our phones don't work. Then we don't know where we're going. We can't talk to anybody. Chaos erupts on our planet. We need those commands to be followed and to be carried out. It's always been that way in order for us to have an orderly world. Even when we were in pre-K and in kindergarten, there were commands such as, okay, now we're going to go and sit on the carpet. The command now is to close the book. We have to sit still. I want everyone to put your pencil down on the desk. Johnny, are you listening to me? 
Put your pencil down on the desk. Should have said Tim because it was always me. Tim's mind was wandering off somewhere else. But those commands are important. And they bring about success. And they bring about what we are seeking for eternity. And within the gospel, it is exactly the same way. Let's bring up the next slide and the points within it. The commands that we have, as we see in this first gospel, is that we are to believe the gospel. Put our faith, our weight down in it and on it. We need to confess our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. We are to repent of our sins and we are to be baptized for the remission of sins. Hopefully, everybody here already knows that. Hopefully, what I'm doing is reminding everybody of something we've known since childhood. But if you don't know that, I want you to know this that the God who loves you and the God who sent his son to die on the cross for you has said to you, in order for you to receive my grace, you have to respond to my gospel in the way that I have said in my gospel. And that is to have faith, to believe. That is to confess Christ. That is to repent of your sins. And that is to be baptized. And that when we do that, then we become a child of God. When we have done that, we have eternity within ourselves. And then finally, next slide, there are promises which come about with this gospel. Now, we live in a world where promises are constantly broken. And many of the promises that have been given to us that have been broken, they cannot be put back together again, just like Humpty Dumpty. But many of those promises that we receive, some people... Some people who make promises, especially a pinky finger promise, those have to be kept. And I like to think of our God in that way. He makes promises which he keeps because he is making promises based on his eternal nature. And here's what he's promised us. The remission of our sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the gift of eternal life. All of that is ours if we will respond to the gospel. Good news is good news, no matter where we may share it, and no matter with whom we may share it. We may have to share it over a long period of time, or we may get to share it with someone in one sitting, or one standing, 
as the Apostle Peter did. We may see many who come and respond, or we may see very few who respond, but the nature of what you and I share is still good news. And I am here today to say to you that it is every bit as good as it has ever been. And it is changing people's hearts and minds today. But is it changing yours? Have you allowed the gospel to be good to you? Have you responded to it? And have you allowed God to be your God? This morning, if you are not a Christian, I want to encourage you to be obedient to that gospel and accept the promises that God has offered to you. And this morning, perhaps you are a Christian and you have obeyed that gospel long ago, but you find in your life that it hasn't been the good news or you have not allowed it to be the good news that it ought to be because you have tried to do things on your own. You don't have to do that. The grace of God is working and available to each and every one of us. This morning, if there is anything that this church can do for you, they're willing to do it. If together you'll, if you will make that known, while together we stand and sing.